0: and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension I am Tyler Smith I'm David Bax And thank you for listening David Yes How you doing
1: I'm uh um, not great um <laughs> I mean, we're going to we're going to have fun talking about movies in a bit but I've had a uh, you know I've been in a very bad headspace all day Sure um because of uh I guess I have to say as an American I would say our Policy of enforcing immigration laws. Uh, We are a part of this, and that's why you know reaching out um, to your representatives and donating money and signing petitions, um, all of which I I did today, uh, are are so important. But um, yeah, we've known for a few months now that um, uh, ICE, under direction from the Trump administration, is uh, interpreting a pre-existing law um meant to uh deter uh child sex trafficking um in such a way that basically any family with children that comes across the border illegally is immediately separated uh from the children the children are kept in detention centers um with uh and, and then today so like I said we've known this for month uh yesterday or yeah I guess it was yesterday the first um reporters were allowed into the biggest, uh, one of the biggest attention centers in a former Walmart in Texas. Um, and it's, uh, it's, it's pretty horrifying to realize that these are, um, you know, it's, it's, this is one of those things uh, with the Trump administration that like, I'm regretting that for the past 50 years, we've all used Hitler and Nazism as go-tos for anything we hated because it's now the boy who cried wolf because yeah. now we've got actual Nazi uh, uh, Nazi-ish uh, tactics going on. This is a mm-hmm. concentration camp, and the idea of forcibly removing children from their parents—something the Nazis did—and also in general the ongoing dehumanizing tactics and language that is used about uh, Latin Americans it yeah. is uh, it is so comparable to to Nazism. This also comes um, a lot because a lot of the people, a lot of people who come across the border. Um, uh, without documentation or, uh, seeking asylum. Mm-hmm. And the other, uh, uh, we didn't talk about this off I'm not sure if you saw this, but, um, Jeff sessions, uh, made the announcement. I of, did see this. Yeah. That, um, escaping gang violence or domestic violence is no longer grounds for asylum, which is, uh, to me, unconscionable to mm-hmm. know, like when someone is coming from that kind of background and you send them back to it, you, you're, you're sending them back knowing that they're going to be hurt and very possibly killed. Yeah. That is unconscionable to me. That is un-American to me. And it is part of what I feel like is a, concerted active effort to dehumanize brown people uh, from, from this administration. Um, and then hey, I'll let you talk about, it. I'm just trying to get mm. everything off my chest. Uh, because the other thing that I didn't <coughs> tell you because I forgot this happened very recently. I don't know if you, so I do always
0: springing stuff um, t- up to yeah, me on air. So
1: the Sarah Sanders, um, press conference where mm. a reporter got very angry with her and tried to get her to say like, as a mother, how do you feel about this? And then brought up the, like, as a Christian, how do you feel sure. about this? Uh, is this biblical to be, uh, no. and Sarah Sanders response was, it is very biblical to enforce the law. Um, which I don't, you're more of an expert than I am. I don't know if that's true. I saw at least one person retweet that with the comment, I guess that clears up Roe V Wade then. Um, uh, but that's like the, the, just this, this whole administration there and, and, and they on the un, unconscionable number of people who are okay with this and actually excited about this kind of treatment of Latin Americans, whether they've come here legally or, or not. Um, this is, this is all on us. It's on all of us. And, uh, this is why like I said, reach out, donate money, sign petitions, contact your representatives. There are at least three bills mm-hmm. that have already been, uh, um, uh, introduced to to try to stop this one by um, uh, one of our representatives, Diane Feinstein, just re- the, the most recent one uh, yesterday, I think introduced a bill, um, and uh, also vote in twenty eighteen. Um, God, especially if you live in Ohio, vote uh, all the time. Um, oh, you didn't see that? Okay. No, what, this is a whole so other thing about Ohio. That um, the supreme the U.S. Supreme Court upheld Ohio's rule which is basically if you don't vote in two consecutive elections not presidential elections two consecutive elections if you don't vote they can purge your name from the voter roll assuming you've moved out of state um so you just you would have to re-register uh yeah but also they don't have to tell you or i guess they do but it's uh um it's it seems very a lot of people were purged and before the primaries i guess yeah. not knowing they had been interesting um, and i feel like I don't know if you're uh, if you're going to do that. We're off topic now. But On one I also, hand, part
0: of me is just like, well, it does provide incentive to vote. Yes. Um, and I, I, I
1: actually agree with that. But I would say a two years uh, is. Two ele- yeah. Yeah. I would say, yeah, two elections. Make it two presidential elections. Make it uh, yeah. make it eight years. And also, if you're going to make it so mandatory for people to vote, then voting needs to election days need to either be a holiday. They would be on Saturdays or, and I know this gets into some, um, uh, you you risk more voter fraud this way, but uh, voting should be a week instead of a day or something like that. Do you Mm, know what I mean? Yeah. If if you're going to make it so that people essentially have to vote to stay make it easier to vote. It's too hard to vote.
0: I, I feel like the weak thing would be, would be very difficult to prevent. Uh,
1: yeah. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, make it a Saturday. I mean, I know, I I mean, that only helps some people because I know when I was, when I was broke and yeah. I was working retail, you don't have regular weekends that cut it could end right. up. I could end up working on a Saturday, you know? Yeah. Um, but you know, I'm, We'll get back to the immigration thing now, but I feel like I try to remember or you could have the polls open until like midnight or something like that um or from midnight to midnight yeah uh yeah twenty four hours um yeah. that I remember could, when that I was younger, help. I didn't know why that it
0: struck me as odd that they didn't do that,
1: yeah, yeah, um but yeah i i i try to remain aware and grateful every day that i have gotten to a place where i have a job where i'm salaried and if I need to do something like vote or go to the doctor's office yeah. you know it's not a big deal i just tell my boss like hey i'm going to be in at 10:30 right. or 11 instead of 9 you know and there are so many people who don't have that luxury who who have jobs that they have to be the uh, you know, clock in on time or on, uh, out of time or use an entire sick day to go to the yeah. doctor, you know? And um, to me, it should be like jury duty. Like uh, if you
0: get called, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right, I mean, right. I, it's still optional, but like it's a national, you know, service.
1: Um, but yes, yeah, back to the immigration Sorry. thing. This is, you know, again, with the Nazi thing, like there were concentration camps like seven years before world war two seven years before we think of the nazis there right. were concentration camps we need to be wary and we need to uh be active and basically we need to vote against people who support these things
0: do you, so here's okay because listeners i am sorry i'm not as informed as i used to be uh, at the yep. suggestion By of degree. my therapist <laughs> yeah. um but uh, for reasons that uh, maybe i'll go into someday but um so I feel bad when I have to, like, like hypothesize on air uh-huh. why something is happening. Like, you know, a, a big it's part not, of, like—
1: it, It's not a—to I mean, me, I mean, when it comes to Donald Trump, it's not a mystery. Sure. Racists like him, and therefore— He will do what they— He will do what yeah. they want.
0: And I guess, like, if you want to have a, a firmer Im- immigration policy, like, okay, I get that. But to me, this is like, yeah, but this seems unnecessary unless it's just like, well, we want to de-incentivize people coming here in the first place. And this will certainly do it. So, yeah, uh, good job uh, on, that re- on that front. But, yeah, it definitely seems— But it's, in,
1: yeah, it's inhumane. It's inhumane. And it's not, also not even talking about the thing that came out a couple, a couple few weeks ago about all the kids in these detention centers that have been lost in the system, That's, which— yeah, yeah. Which you know, the, these these laws that they're using, like I said, were uh, um, written to prevent sex trafficking. They're now being interpreted by the Trump administration as, uh, in a yeah. uh, very loosely, um, but there's a lot of worry that now these kids who have been separated from the parents ostensibly yeah. to prevent sex trafficking, that might be where they've ended up. Yeah, uh, you know, it's. Um,
0: And, you know, it's weird that part of me me is like, look, if you're going to detain, like, just detain the families together and then keep an eye out so there's no sex trafficking going on. Like, I know that that's that's not the solution, but it it just seems so unnecessarily ruthless Mm -hmm. and and. This is on my mind because, like, Jen and I have taken all these classes for uh, foster to adopt and stuff like that. And so you just kind of find out, like, how the system treats children, which, you know, is actually pretty good for the most part. It depends on what county, what state you're in, that sort of thing. But, like, one thing that that I've been very impressed with is how attentive LA County is to like the needs of a child and they will do anything they can to make sure that the kid gets what is best for them. Often at the expense of the feelings of the birth parent or the foster parent, like not that yeah. they don't care about them, but like the kids oh, yeah, needs can, well, come first. You know, this is what
1: my wife does. Yeah, She's exactly. a social worker for Los Angeles County and she struggles with that a lot yeah. being like, you know, I hate that I have to like, tell this woman she can't take her kid from the yeah. hospital that she just had but like it, it's breaking this woman's heart but it's yeah. not good for the kid to go home with yeah. this, you know say drug addict or whatever
0: yeah it's a it's a very sad thing no matter what but when it comes right down to it like fighting on behalf of the kid and I recognize like yes but these but the kids coming in they're not Americans like yeah but they're still people and I do think that there are some things that need to again like you you want firm border security that's fine this is so far beyond it mm-hmm. to me. It is, it is vindictive. That's the word I'm looking for. It seems genuinely vindictive far beyond even the most stringent interpretation of border security and stronger immigration laws. Like it's, and and this goes to, you know, uh, <laughs> Don't me wrong. We're all stupid about something. But here's what I'll say. I am kind of Pollyanna-ish in certain regards. Like, it's rare for me. I don't like to dismiss people as stupid. Because I feel like, yeah, but they're probably smart about something, surely. They have mm-hmm. to be. Everybody is about something, right? Okay. But I know that there are stupid people out there, but I just, maybe I'm just not in a position position to have met very many of them. I don't know. Uh, In which case, good for me, I guess. They're still people. They still deserve respect. But, um, and in that same way, like, I'm still trying to figure out, yes, but why would they do this? And it's like, well, the reason why is because they are pandering to the worst demographic in the U.S., a, a demographic that nobody wanted or cared about up until this moment, up until it could benefit somebody politically, you know, but even then it could have been, like, it could have benefited Ronald Reagan. And he said like, I don't want any part of this. Uh, he even made a statement at the time. Uh, and so like there are things that are more important than political victory, unless of course you're a complete fucking narcissist mm-hmm. who wants to be seen as the best guy in the world. Even if yeah. it, a- along the way you become the worst guy in the world
1: yeah and then of course down the line you've got the you know uh the people who work for ice and are physically taking physically taking yeah. kids away from their parents which of course gets into some like uh you know probably some uh uh milgram or stanford prison experiment type of yeah. type of stuff you know they're following Although orders i was reading whatever, about that but, today
0: apparently the stanford prison experiment like uh, highly uh
1: yeah suspect now. yes yeah I, I i actually have read that but um uh, in any case, the idea that they're uh, able to, I don't know, shut off their own moral uh, morals from, yeah. from it because it's their job or whatever. I don't know. Um,
0: yeah. It's but tough I think, cause, I think like I've never a- been a cop. I've never been a soldier. Like, I don't I'm sure there has to be a certain degree of that. But how far do you go? Like, yeah, I don't know.
1: Um, I mean, I think you have a good impulse to try and, like, find the good in people. I try to do that too, but I rarely do. Yeah. I just, I just but want sometimes to. it's like the social worker. You have to prioritize the good of yeah. the person who needs to be prioritized. Yeah. And so, um, if this means, uh, you know, um, prosecuting people who were members of ice, um, you know, then I'm all for it. <laughs> and I do think that there is something to be said
0: for, you know, the, the, the 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 head of the snake concept, which is that like something like the the one that's in charge can corrupt everything that's underneath, mm-hmm. and it's just don't get me wrong. Like if if a specific agent is is being uh, you know unnecessarily brutal or whatever it is, like that is frustrating to me, and obviously they should be uh, prosecuted. But part of me is just like yeah, but it's just going to keep happening if. And the downside is that, like, I read a report recently that, like, the economy is, like, booming. Like, we're adding, like, 225,000 jobs a month, which is part of me is like, that's exciting. But you won't even let me get excited about that because there's this other thing
1: going on. This is
0: a much worse thing, obviously. But,
1: you know. I don't want to get it because, yeah, I don't know enough. But I I get skeptical of the economy, quote, unquote, because I think as... I think it's silly to view it as one
0: thing, but yeah.
1: uh, Yeah. I I think as income inequality grows, I think you've got people in this country who aren't being counted among the economy. Do you know what I mean? Sure. There, There are people who like, and a lot of these are the uh, rural white folks who voted for Donald yeah, Trump. Yeah. People who like you tell them the economy's doing great, but they don't see it. You know, yeah. and um, I would say here, living in a city like Los Angeles, my you know my experience with people living on that spectrum tends to be uh, non-white. But mm-hmm. um, uh, yeah, being poor and being left out of the economy uh, is happening to people. All over. So I'm generally yeah. skeptical because I remember reading a thing about how like um, uh, getting rid of rent control has been shown to be good for n- local economies, like letting landlords charge whatever they want is good for the economy overall. And it's like, yeah, but at the expense of the people who end up, you know, shut off the bottom of the economy, right. you know, is that uh, is that worth it? You know, yeah, just, just like this thing is, you know. Is your ideals about immigration and border security worth what you're doing? The permanent scars you're putting on these families or sometimes permanent separation with these kids who get lost. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's. Yeah, I don't. So you mentioned that somebody made a a joke about like Roe v. Wade (laughs) and. And. It is one of those things. I tend not to respond super great when someone says like like Oh, you Republicans are so in favor of like taking care of kids. Like, well, why don't you pay for uh, you know, pay to fund like education programs? Like, my response is usually like, done. Uh-huh. <laughs> I will absolutely vote in favor of that if you let them uh, be born, you know. But in this case, this is this is not about like a program not being fully funded. This is about actually tearing apart families Mm -hmm. which my fellow conservatives claim to be in favor of and that is often why they uh that that is what they will often cite in being like uh pro-life is like we want we don't want to do damage to whether it be this biological family or the potential adopted Mm -hmm. family that could happen and more than anything the life of this child is valuable to us and it's like okay but is that only if it's an american child you know, like, because these other, ch- these other children yeah. have the audacity of on top of everything else. Yeah. They weren't born here. They also didn't choose to come here. Like yeah. their yeah. parents chose to come here and now they're pa- obviously the parents are paying the price as well because they're being a- separated from the children. Yeah. But adults can process it a little bit better. Kids, they don't know.
1: Yeah. And it's, uh, and you say only an American child that also, I mean, increasingly seems like only a white American sure. child. Cause you've also like, ICE is just uh, way out of control under the Trump administration and probably should probably be abolished. ICE didn't exist for 2003. We got along fine without them. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, number of people who are either like uh, here legally or actually like yeah. citizens who have been deported yeah. uh, because of uh, oversights um, or overzealousness from ICE and from our crazy immigration court system, yeah. um, which tends to have just people just, Flying through all the time uh, yeah
0: anyway. and incidentally, the libertarian in me says that like yes if you if you set up a new office or a new uh whether it be homeland security or ice like undoubtedly came about because of september 11th it's like mm-hmm. we're doing it for this specific purpose, like it will never stay in that area. it will always be used for whatever somebody like this this law under the Obama administration to like hey. Nobody likes sex trafficking for yeah. children. Yeah. Well, some people do, but uh, they're bad people. Uh, and so, like, we don't like it. So, yeah, absolutely. That's a law I'm in, I'm in favor of. Like, it, it can it can not always will, but it can be heavily abused. And yeah. so, like, always, like, we always got to be on the lookout for that happening. And it is happening right now. And this is where I get so angry about, like, the political tribalism because i honestly think that if this exact thing were happening under a democrat you know um i think republicans would be infuriated sure as yeah. they should be
1: yeah well, i think more Demo- I this you have a disagreement here but i think more democrats would be infuriated than republicans are now uh, that's hopefully yeah yeah it's, that's always the uh it got to the uh, just in politico just today i was reading about how
0: oh politico my old uh, boss
1: yeah <laughs> uh there was a, a thing about the like basically like it or not the trump republican is the new republican and the people who aren't yeah. the people who aren't trump republicans but are elected are basically just keeping their heads down at this point um yeah. and uh uh that that uh I feel furious with those people I also kind of uh to the extent that I can feel sorry for a Republican, I feel sorry for you because it means identify as have, a conservative now thank yeah, you very much yeah i mean you have you, you potentially have fewer Options when it comes to to voting, because if yeah. more more and more of the people who make it through the primaries are the Trump Republicans, uh, yeah. But maybe I don't know. Maybe that leads to the death of the Republican Party, um, which parties don't last forever. Yeah, like um, it's and and honestly, life is just a party, and parties weren't meant to, meant to last. That's Prince uh, Fair words enough. to live by, by the way. I guess that's or yeah. words to die by. I guess uh, that's true. <laughs> that's, what it, that's what it means. Um,
0: but yeah, it's uh, it's definitely on one hand, part of me is like, Oh, like the the death of the Republican party. It's are the GOP, the grand old party. We've been around for a while. And it's like, yeah, but if this is what it is, and by the way, it is, it is nowhere near like conservative principles. Like it's, it's rarely about like shrinking the size of government. It's about just in, it's just growing it in other, in different areas than what the Democrats want to do. And so like, So they've moved away from that. And then with this populist moron, like they've Mm -hmm. moved away from basically any, any genuine element of conservatism. And so like when the party moves away from what it's meant to be doing, then it deserves to die. And then hopefully it will, in trying to reconstruct itself, it will realize, Oh yeah, now we remember why we wanted to do this. And it just, and what fascinates me, I was, I was listening, I guess it was a while ago. Um, to some analysis of like the 2018 uh, uh, you know, midterm elections, and people are talking about like certain Republicans like writing on like the Trump coattails. I'm like, this motherfucker's got coattails. Are you shitting me? Why?
1: Yeah, but it's going to be a short ride because uh, yeah. I mean the 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 population that elected him is very strong and very committed, but also as years go on, dwindling. They're not growing. You know yeah it's where whereas um you know by 2030 uh whites will no longer be the majority this will be a plurality mm-hmm. uh you go another 50 years and they won't even be that um anyway and then
0: um, you and i we can start complaining is that what you're saying hopefully we'll be dead by then <laughs> uh, <laughs> Let's let's keep <laughs> at it. If we keep fretting this much over everything, then yeah. uh, we will have uh, worked ourselves into an early
1: grave. Um, do you think there's something we got to get to the movies at some point. At some point. I'm sure our sponsor loves this. Do you think um, there's something to be said as a conservative for having such an awful, evil moron at the head of the federal government making people... More interested in things like states' rights in the private sector to yes. get things done. Do you think that is that your conservative? silver lining here
0: so okay here's this here's a genuine story um and i won't say names because they're people that you and i know and that the listeners might know um so a friend of mine was saying that another friend of mine was complaining after the the, ele- the election presidential election um and said like it's just so frustrating that this guy is in charge like i wish that we had like like a group of people like, like the one guy's in charge of everybody. Like I wish like the, like different groups of people could like elect individuals. And it's like Congress, <laughs> you're talking about Congress and you're talking about giving the power of making laws to Congress. Congratulations. You're a conservative, <laughs> you know, it's, and, uh, yeah. So I, I do find that funny. And, and, yeah maybe uh completely by accident we will have backed into like the best uh <laughs> the best argument for our principles than we ever intended
1: <laughs> um yeah i still have hope that we can have a uh um uh, a strong federal government that is also not insane <laughs> um, yeah and, and there's also for i i think i said this before reducing some of like the i feel i feel like the presidency is too powerful right now. It's Very more much powerful so. than I think the framers meant it to be. Yeah. Um I always think of that uh who's the guy uh, who's the political commentator? Uh PJ O'Rourke, is that yeah, his yeah. name? His metaphor of the president is a le- the presidency is a leather glove and every time you put it, if you have a bigger hand, yeah. it stretches out to fit your hand. But when you take it out, yeah, the next guy, it doesn't shrink again.
0: Yeah, uh, it's it's why in the primaries and even in the in the general election, like. A bit, not the big issue for me, but like a big issue is the idea of executive orders, because like Bush used a lot of them, Obama used a lot of them. I had no doubt that Trump was going to use a lot of them. So I was just like, okay, yeah. so who's not going to? Because the problem with exe- one of the many problems with executive orders is they can be reversed immediately uh-huh. with with the next person. Whereas like a law is a lot harder. Um, but an executive order is like, well, I don't want to work with Congress. Like, okay, well, the person, the next person is also not going to have to work with Congress if you avoid it, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, each president keeps using them more. Um, But uh, um, anyway, my whole point is to go back to the beginning, please vote and be active. We can't sit by and let this turn into uh, Nazi Germany. (laughs)
0: And here's what I'll say. Another thing that I, as a conservative, am very in favor of is gridlock. And so. <laughs> and I'm not. But here's the thing right now, the Republicans control the House, the Senate, and the White House. Uh-huh. Well, we've got a midterm coming up. President can't leave. But I'm all in favor of the Democrats taking Congress because it means that they will do everything they can to stop him. And. I would rather no progress get made in any direction uh-huh. than and, bad progress. Uh,
1: and especially I guess if that's a good point,
0: especially if that's what I, the disagree, but uh, that I don't think that's how the government's supposed to work. But, uh, it is. Here's the thing. Like anytime, anytime the government is split, it's, it is, I think because the populace is not thrilled with the direction things are going. And this is the only way they can st- at least slow it down. Yeah. And so, Seeing it as like the will of the people, I'm very much in favor of it. And right now I would say, even though I don't really agree with, um, I don't agree with like a lot of what Democrats want to do. I think there's something bigger than individual policy. I mean, obviously this is a function of policy, but I think that bringing th- current trends to a halt is maybe the most important thing. Mm-hmm. So by all means, uh, vote Democrat.
1: There you go. All right. Uh, great note. I love it. I think it's a great note to go into the uh, the sponsors. Yeah. on. Yeah. Incidentally, this
0: wouldn't have been a problem if Mitt Romney had been elected. Po- <laughs> uh, pr- moving on. <laughs> um, so, okay. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> I'm not a big Romney guy, but I thought it would be funny to end on that. Um, okay. So... That had nothing to do with movies, and in fact, our main discussion might not, it might not either. So this might be one of a uh, this Those is what happens. This is what happens when we don't come up with a, a topic until the day of. Yeah. Um, okay. So this episode is brought to you by Mubi, a curated online cinema that brings its members a handpicked selection of the best independent, international, and classic films. Every day, movie's curators introduce a new title, and you have thirty days to watch it. That means that there's always thirty wonderful films to enjoy, all for only eight ninety nine a month. Plus, when you use their mobile apps, you can download films to watch offline currently available on movie is paul schrader's light sleeper starring willem Dafoe and susan sarandon um i've been a fan of light sleeper for a very long time it is one of paul schrader's lesser known films even though it's one of his early films and came out in i think 1990 and it definitely is in keeping with what you think of when you think of paul schrader either as a writer or a director mm-hmm. um it definitely sticks with uh, taxi driver and being like the, the, the story of a lone and lonely man in the middle of a city who lives, uh, kind of at night, uh, he's a drug dealer, you know, a small timer and just him, you know, his only real, not unlike taxi driver in a lot of ways, you know, his only interaction with people is like in these little short stints, Um, whether it be like driving a cab or like I'm selling this person drugs and maybe hanging out with them a little bit, but it's clear they don't actually care that much about Mm -hmm. me. Um, and so it's, it's, it's really interesting. It's, it's, uh, it's the kind of Willem Dafoe performance that we don't see very often um, until, you know, movies like Florida Project, uh, where it's very subdued. There's an inherent sadness to him, but also a certain type of coolness um, uh, that he exuded, I'd say, in the late 80s, late eighties, early 90s. Um, and yeah, and so if you're a fan of First Reformed, uh, which just came out uh, or affliction or just Paul Schrader in general. I think you'd like it a lot. It's, uh, have you seen it? Light sleeper? Uh, no, I never have. Yeah. It's, it's, it's great stuff. And actually I was very excited when I saw that it was on movie because I haven't seen it for a while and I don't know how readily available it is in general. Um, but that's yeah, so fun thing about movie it very much. So, so check that out. Uh, there's also a special offer for listeners of battleship pretension. You can try movie free for a month. Just go to movie.com. That's M U B I. Dot com slash battleship to redeem. Now,
1: And I want to tell you about tweakedaudio.com, which is where you go for professional quality earbuds in a variety of stylish styles and colorful colors. They look great and sound great. And Tyler and I both use them each and every day of our lives. You know I was listening to today? What's that? New Death Cab for Cutie this week. Really? Yeah, which is a band that I resisted for a long time because the name is stupid. Mm -hmm. I still think it's a stupid name. And it just sort of seemed too much like something I seemed like i would like i guess yeah. so i think i was just being contrarian uh but towards the end of college when i actually started listening to death cab for qd i was like oh i've missed out these guys are really great songwriters mm-hmm. and, and uh song craftsmen and now they're back new death cab and they're Q- better than ever i wouldn't say that but it's good okay uh and it sounded great on my tweakedaudio.com earbuds so you can uh, find those at a low low price at tweakedaudio.com but if you use the offer code pretension at checkout you get one third off that low low price and no shipping charges so go to tweakedaudio.com and use the offer code pretension achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with bike clear aligners just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking what's your secret Let's get into it, shall we? Ugh, okay. This this idea was, or this topic was your idea. Yes, it was. See, you you just looked at the how far we've gone. Yeah. And you're like, oh, we're only just starting the topic. But to me, I'm like, oh, we only have to talk about this. <laughs> no, my thought was like, <laughs> damn, we talked about that for thirty minutes
0: because we jumped right in, like yeah. immediately, and that's thirty minutes of not movie talk, which yeah. bums me out on one hand. No. It does but not.
1: I don't know. It's There's plenty of shows. Suck it, listeners, if you don't want to listen <laughs> to that. Oh, good. <laughs> yes. It's this is episode 587. Is that right? It's up there. Yeah. 587. If you don't know what we are by now, suck it. <laughs> I do like the idea <laughs> of right after the sponsors.
0: It's like, OK, thanks for listening to that. Now, suck it. go suck it. <laughs> um, so, uh, OK, yeah, uh so this is kind of uh, you know as I was suggesting it to you, I I described it as kind of nebulous. Uh but my guess is as we talk about it it'll become uh, it'll come a little bit more into focus. Um so this came about out of certain political talk. Um I was reading Nathan Rabin talking about Dennis Miller. Mm-hmm. And then I was listening to Greg Gutfeld, who's a commentator on Fox News. Yeah. Uh Talk about Robert De Niro, because um, De Niro recently yelled "fuck Trump" at the Tonys. Yeah, really sticking it to the Trump. I know, at really. The Tony's. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like a room full of people that agree with you, watched by uh, an audience of people that agree with you. You're really gonna, really gonna, you know, shake things up. But yeah, you know,
1: anyway, I mean, I, I'm obviously Team Fuck Trump, but I'm also even longer i'm team fuck the tonys yeah. so <laughs> oh really I don't,
0: I don't think i knew that
1: oh i have stated your- on this podcast and on multiple podcasts publicly i have vowed that i will never in my life watch the tonys
0: why do you hate the tonys so much
1: um this is something actually this goes back to hey watch this, this is something that paul and i used to joke okay. about a lot which is that like broadway is only that one part like, yeah why are people all over the country watching the tonys yeah why do you give a fuck I don't understand why the Tonys exist. Yeah. Uh, no, I or understand why they're, why
0: televised? The, uh, why they're tel- televised. That yeah. I don't understand it, except that, like, it's an opportunity to see, like, oh, well, there's Robert Niro Like, a- actors that you know are in play, so here's another opportunity. But it's like, yeah, we get plenty of opportunities to see actors and celebrities now. Like, we don't need this. Um,
1: yeah, yeah. So, um, I mean... I will fully admit that my strong anti Tony stance is about 45% just trolling. <laughs> um, <laughs> that I'm looking forward to the hate tweets yeah. from my musical fans out there. Cause I know there are a lot, a lot of them some Broadway fans straight yeah. plays as well. Um, but, uh, it, yeah, I have made a lifelong vow to never Maybe watch the Tony should be
0: pay-per-view. Uh, <laughs>
1: How about that? <laughs> there you go. There you go. It makes more um, sense. Cause th- as far as I know, the Tony's this year, were all, it was just Robert De Niro saying fuck Trump. And then, um, I don't know if you saw the whole Neil Patrick Harris, Rachel Bloom, uh, kerfuffle. Um, but basically Rachel Bloom was like, um, she was the, the person who's like, you know, you know who Rachel Bloom is? Uh, she's a, she's on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. She created Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, but she was a internet comedian. Uh, she's very talented. Um, I'm a big fan of Rachel Bloom actually. Uh, and she was like the one handing out the trophies or like, she was like backstage, like sort of doing hosting duty or something like that. I don't know. I didn't watch it. And, uh, Neil Patrick Harris was like, um, uh, Uh, made some sort of, uh, he was at home watching, made some sort of offhand joke about, like, who is this, like, awkward lady, you know, hanging out backstage? Uh, And Richard Bloom, like, tweeted back, like, hi, we've met multiple times. My husband wrote for How I Met Your Mother for five years. (laughs) Uh, And Neil Patrick Harris was shamed. Was he making a
0: joke, or did he actually not know who she was? He didn't realize that it was this person (laughs) that he knew. Oh, boy. And
1: he just thought, like, that she was being awkward or something and made some sort of... uh, sort of crack about her. And now then he had to you know, issue a formal apology. I'd say there's a lot of reasons to issue an
0: apology there. Not the least, of, like whether he, even if he'd never met her, like, uh-huh. why are you bashing the person <laughs> that's handing out the trophies? Yeah. Yeah. seems like an odd, an odd beat.
1: Yeah. What a jerk that Neil Patrick Harris is. Get him out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I don't
0: even know what I mean. By
1: yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So Robert De Niro said, okay. fuck Trump.
0: Yeah. And so Greg, Gull- Greg Gutfeld was talking about like uh, talking about the the increasing irrelevance of Robert De Niro, and then Nathan Rabin was talking about Dennis Miller and was talking and and described him as irrelevant. Now he went further and said something that you and I don't really care for, which is he was talking about like Dennis Miller not being particularly funny. He goes and it made me wonder, was he ever funny? Oh, okay. and then, but then know. he went. He said, he goes, but then I went and watched like an old like like old SNL and and watch weekend update and discovered like, yes, he was funny, but outside of that format, and I was like, his standup was pretty damn funny. Like I, I almost wanted to like actually write an article for the site in which I talked about some of my favorite jokes by Dennis Miller, just his Uh standup. Like he, like his throwaway jokes. There was one where he was, he was setting up something about school and he goes, he's like, you know, by way of personal information, I was homeschooled oddly enough at a branch campus. And it's like, That's that's even he threw that away just on the way to a joke. Uh-huh. And I love it because like a branch campus homeschool. What must that be like? And then you saw like a screening recently. <laughs> oh,
1: this is such a corny joke, but I love it. Yeah, he, uh, I think I might have said this on the TCM Classic Film Fest. Okay, wrap up. Ma- you weren't there. I was not there. Yeah, because he was inter- he, he made some joke. He's like, I was just in D.C. I visited the Air and Space Museum, but don't let the name fool you. They got a lot of stuff in there.
0: That is, a, yes, it's corny. It's very corny. But it's, here's what I like about it. No one would ever think that. No one would ever uh, think the Air and Space Museum is about literal air and space. Yeah,
1: yeah. You know? Absolutely. I, I do, yeah, I don't want to sit here and defend Dennis Miller, because um, he's gotten, to, like, his tweets now are like Mike Huckabee level of not funny. Yes, uh, yes. I, I don't understand what happened, but... um yeah. Uh, yes, I do like as corny as a joke is. I do like the structure of it is kind of writerly. Yes, because it's um, it's kind of like an A to C. You know, yeah. you have to like fill in like oh because he yeah. you know. And uh,
0: you know what? I it's like it's don't let the name fool you because it's <laughs> implying that everyone to assume <laughs> that like it is a beautifully structured joke. Uh-huh. And so and he has a, a, a number of those, and uh, and so the but anyway. So I thought he was funny. He's not as funny as he used to be, certainly. Um, but it, what's interesting is, like, he did a stand-up special, like, a few years ago, like, full-on Fox News at this point, full-on okay. Republican at this point, on board with whoever the nominee is going to be. But it was a stand-up special, and it was still pretty good. Like, he still has a cadence, I think, just for whatever reason, like, Twitter or whatever is just not his thing. Yeah, Which is not. weird, because he used to be kind of a one-liner comedian. But anyway... Um, But the point is, I noticed that, like, okay, Greg Gutfeld, who is himself a conservative, was looking at something that a liberal actor was saying and said, he's irrelevant. And then Nathan Rabin, who is left-leaning, looked at a right-leaning comedian and said, he's no longer relevant. And it just got me thinking, like, well, of course they're not relevant to you. Right. you don't like them and it just got me thinking it's a it's a phrase that I've I've heard from time to time about actors directors even movies and I wanted to explore what the concept of relevance even means in yeah. regards to art um, so that's what we're exploring yeah and Fun, yeah, right? now
1: that you frame it like that I'm uh, even more puzzled about how to even start how to even start but yeah, yeah I mean I, I, I think I think there's uh, if you're talking about a person, an artist, as opposed to a movie, you can get into questions about whether or not they are relevant anymore. Because sure. if Robert De Niro or Dennis Miller has lost what made them artists, like they're still—I mean—in both cases, their opinions on politics, American politics, are relevant because they're American citizens. <laughs> right. So that's the end of the—they are relevant, yeah. but. Th- saying they're no longer relevant as artists for a person. I can see the argument because if they've lost the thing, right. Sure. But I don't know that a movie ever becomes irrelevant. Like Mm -hmm. some movies are more relevant now. Yeah. Um, but I feel like I value movies because it's a kind of, um, uh, it's a way to see the world through other people's eyes. And it's also a way to time travel in a lot of, yeah. uh, a, a lot of ways. Um, and so sometimes when we can, uh, you know, we look at something, uh, like go back to the silent era and look at, uh, I've never actually made myself sat, sat down and force myself to watch the birth of nation. nations. Let's say broken blossoms. Okay. Um, which is, Positively, uh, woke compared to <laughs> birth of a nation from what I understand most but, things are, <laughs> yeah, but it still has, uh, you know, a, a white actor. Sure. In, uh, I guess yellow face. Is that what that's called? I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe that's racist. It, <laughs> that sounds a little, it, it <laughs> could <laughs> be, um, I mean, I'm sorry if it is, um, it's like uh, David, they prefer <laughs> 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 mind. Uh, no, yeah. No, it's not the preferred nomenclature <laughs> is what I'm trying to say. Um, no, my my point is uh that even something from the past that is like, oh that doesn't that wouldn't track today, right? Sure. It's still relevant because it still teaches us something about ourselves. Yes. Right? You know? Yeah. Um it's sort of this uh uh I'm trying to remember what where this came up um uh on on film Twitter because uh you'll notice um i m d b if someone if let's well the wachowskis are a perfect example okay if you look at the matrix on i m d b it'll say directed by uh lana and i i actually forget what her name is now uh dana no uh anyway, lana and the other wachowski and then it'll say in parentheses is it andrea
0: i don't know I feel like it's an a it because, because yeah his name
1: was it was andy yeah, right her, her name was Andy. yeah um anyway um uh, and then in credit in parentheses it'll say credited as okay yeah yeah you know Larry and Andy or whatever yeah. their names uh, were um uh and um <laughs> you got me off track now I'm sorry uh, or I mean I got myself off track but um the point I was trying to make was uh that even when something no longer fits mm-hmm. there's a way to still look at it and, and and learn and respect the historical record while also respecting the present day reality. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? And so I, uh, I, and so I don't know, I guess my starting point here is that, um, I don't know that a movie itself can ever become irrelevant.
0: That is also my point. Yes. That is, that is something that I was thinking about earlier. Um, yeah as as I get older and certainly given the our politi- the political times we live in right now um something that increasingly bothers me um and then this is something that I talked about when we uh, were discussing the concept of shills, hacks and frauds
1: mm-hmm.
0: um I don't like dismissal I don't like when somebody Looks at another person or an opinion or a work of art or whatever, and they find some bullshit reason to dismiss it, probably because they don't like it or because they disagree with it or something like that. And I feel like looking at something of the past or somebody who's been around a while and is still doing things now and just saying like they're irrelevant, I mean, to me that is like saying you, you, there is no more reason to pay attention to them. Mm -hmm. And it might be true. It might be true. Certainly of artists. I think people can become irrelevant, especially if, as you said, they start to lose the thing that made them quote unquote relevant in the first place. Mm -hmm. Um, But, uh, but yeah, I think a film Especially a film that could be seen as even wrong-headed in the past. I think art is always relevant. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, that's... because, Because we aren't robots. Like, our minds can be changed. Not that we're looking to, like birth of a nation to change our mind. Um, at least I don't think so. Uh I can't imagine anybody watching that movie being like, you know what? <laughs> 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 but but I do think that like but our opinions can be deepened, uh, as our understanding is deepened. And even if it's an understanding of a wrong headed perspective. Yeah. Um and so yeah, to I, I think it's I think it's always detrimental to dismiss something as unuseful to me because yeah. and usually it's because it doesn't really cater to what I think is important.
1: Uh well this will get us into uh, I don't know I'm not sure if this is even on topic but something I imagine you and I might disagree on. Okay. Should the birth of a nation then be taught in film schools? As I mean actually should it be screened in film schools? Cuz that's to me I would draw a the line there. I would say people should be aware of it mm-hmm. and then people should make the decision on their own whether or not they're going to watch it.
0: Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Um, I would say maybe not in its entirety.
1: That's how I encountered it in film school was like, okay, Hey, when people talk about the Foundation being important, they're talking about this sort of like shot structure and editing yes. structure. So here's a quick scene that illustrates that, that doesn't have a, white actor in blackface chasing a woman off the cliff you know right. I mean?
0: like, as the white actor in a white hood is trying to save the day. Right. Yes.
1: Yeah. 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 I, that's, that's a good way to do it. Uh, yeah, I had two classes in my life where I saw clips from birth of a nation. One was in a film school where they were, and then one in high school I took a class in the civil war and it was the opposite. The pig, the teacher picked out like the racist shit to show oh, sure, us sure. like what, uh, uh, you know, what this depiction of the civil war yep. and stuff was, uh, and but I've still never watched the whole movie. And I don't uh, know that I ever will. I
0: think I have I think I have watched all of it, not at once because on top of everything else, it's really long, <laughs> <That's> um, <right. laughs> but I have, I believe watched
1: all of it yeah. in uh, cumulatively.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, that's the only thing broken blossoms has going forward. It's like 80 minutes step in the right direction.
0: <laughs> and you know, and I've seen intolerance as well. And yeah, and I it's like intelligence. It's really good. Intelligence you know? is really good. And and uh, I think it's it speaks yeah. to, and I, to me, this is an argument about, th- this brings up the idea of relevance uh, in regards to like D.W. Griffith, that a lot of people now looking at what Birth of a Nation was, because at this point, like D.W. Griffith was the Birth of a Nation guy.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Like the two were inseparable. But to me, it's like, yes, but even he recognized afterwards, like he was trying to adapt a novel that happened to be very racist. He got plenty of criticism at the time. It's not a thing that people loved at the time. He got a lot of uh, protests and stuff. And he was just like, Oh my gosh, what have I done? And he was a Kentuckian, an old school Kentuckian. And so like, it didn't occur to him that maybe this could be seen as horrendously offensive.
1: It must've occurred to him at some
0: point, right? It it might've occurred to him, but maybe, I mean, if it occurred to other people who saw it, Right, but he people, he spent
1: months making the movie. It must have occurred to him at some point.
0: It probably did. Uh, I can't speak to it, but what I can look at is his reaction afterwards, which was he didn't necessarily double down. He didn't, instead, he was like, okay. Right. All right, change of plans. I'm now going to make this movie Intolerance, uh-huh. uh, among others, you know. Yeah, and that doesn't necessarily make up for it, but I think it does speak to, like, on an individual level, like people would be very happy to just dismiss DW Griffith, but intolerance is great. Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah. But uh, yeah, I do, but I don't want to get into, um, or maybe we should get, I mean, the idea of forgiveness is, uh, sure. Really thorny. Cause I believe in forgiveness, but I also understand that in terms of identity, I am generally not the wronged party in these kinds of situations. So mm-hmm. forgiveness or, uh, otherwise known as separating the art from the artist, which is something we've talked sure, about a sure. lot, is a lot easier for me. So I try mm-hmm. to say to each his own on forgiveness.
0: You probably um, did not see, uh, D. E. Griffith's big, uh, anti-Catholic movie.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. Uh, of course. Yeah, I, I, but I mean, the maybe K- I should, maybe I shouldn't have said, of course. Uh, yeah. Also, I mean, the KKK, uh, you know, it's not at the top of the list, but the KKK <laughs> yeah. is not pro-Catholic. That's true. Uh, I remember no, that from Blues Brothers. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. um, But, like, I think we talked about, I want to say we talked about this with Brandy, Brandy Posey, when she was on about watching Mm -hmm. movies in Me Too, uh, you know, post in a post-Me Too world or a current Me Too world. Yeah. Um, Quentin Tarantino, sort of, like, on the one hand, having the self-awareness to come out and say, like, about Harvey Weinstein, like, Mm -hmm. I should have done more. I didn't know about all this stuff, but I knew enough that I should have done more and I let it slide. Like that self-awareness is great. It doesn't fully, it doesn't like let him off the hook. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, You know, we, we haven't talked yet about Anthony Bourdain who passed away. Yeah. Um, But uh, he's someone who I think did that right, but also maybe because he wasn't ever as culpable, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but he, he talked, you know, he, he talked about being, a part of this sort of macho like kitchen world and writing yeah. the book kitchen confidential and how many sort of like, uh, it, using his, using Bourdain's own, own words, like bros and meatheads like that book a lot. Yeah. And like, uh, always sort of examining, uh, his own culpability there. I feel like he, he did it right because it was clearly an ongoing, um, process and I don't think he was ever, uh, um, you know, he wasn't done. Yeah. And I, and that's, I think a thing to realize is um, people are never done getting, becoming better. And if Quentin Tarantino does treat his Mia culpa as a, all right, yeah, I did it. Like that's, that's a problem. And that, yeah. that's where, and I don't know that he is doing that, but that's something that Anthony, Bord- Anthony Bourdain clearly wasn't doing. And I do want yeah. to take a moment to, uh, yeah, rest in peace, Anthony Bourdain. Was, yeah. uh, he was a very important person um, to, to me, uh, in a lot of ways, um, and obviously mental health, uh, and depression are important things to, uh, uh, the both of us and to, I would mm-hmm. say most people in, uh, in, in the world. Uh, and yeah, he was, uh, uh, the first thing I thought of when he passed away was he did. So he had, he had a number of shows over his time. Mm-hmm. His first show was on the food network. It was called a cook's tour. Okay. um, and it was kind of a, an early version of what No Reservations became. No Reservations mm. was his first travel channel show. And um, when he went to Cambodia on No Reservations, the first thing he did was show clips from when he went to Cambodia on a cook's tour. And now he was kind of like punk rock about it and being like, oh, this place is so lawless. I can like shoot machine guns here, you know? Yeah. And like... Um, uh, revisiting it at, like ten, almost 10 years later on no reservations and, and being like, I can't believe how ignorant I was right. like the, the lawlessness here might be fun for me as a, as a tourist, right. I can leave. Uh, yeah, I can leave. Like this is a, you know, there's a lot of awful stuff going on here and that, um, uh, now I'm getting emotional, about anything to Bourdain, but that sense of always trying to be better, mm-hmm. I think was, something he embodied
0: and I think to to bring it back to the topic I think that speaks to a person's ability to again uh, it's tough I want I'm reluctant to say it's the idea of staying relevant because at the same time you still you don't want to just be like an emotional flip-flopper like if you believe something and it becomes unpopular but you still believe it like you don't want to say you should examine it by all means but you shouldn't change it simply because it's unpopular um in order to stay relevant um but i yeah. do think that but i think that being a you know a person or an artist or a person in general like being open to to changing and understanding why that the larger change has happened and maybe think like okay but so what about me like am i open to that um i think that can speak to relevance and i think to get back to to my frustration with the accusation of irrelevance like the idea of using it as a way to dismiss somebody mm-hmm. and it could just be like this person didn't didn't move forward with the rest of us and so what do they matter and it's like well they're a person who still came to a certain conclusion
1: yeah but there is I mean, yes, you're right. People's opinions are their own. And as, the, as individuals, they are entitled to them and they are worth something. Mm. Uh, but there's something to be said about, I'm reminded of the, I mean, it could become reminded of it because it's used as, as a meme so often, but the principal skinner, like, is it me? No, it's the children who are wrong. <laughs> like <Yeah>. it's <laughs> that, that, yeah, yeah. that, that inability to, uh, to re-examine as things sure. change, you know, that's, that's what I hear when, and I hate to say, it because I love Jerry Seinfeld and always have mm-hmm. when Jerry Seinfeld complains about, I'm not doing colleges anymore. Cause you can't make any jokes anymore. Right. That sounds like, no, it's the children who are wrong to me. Yeah. Uh, and that, I don't know. That seems like Jerry Seinfeld is making himself irrelevant perhaps in that way.
0: You know, it's interesting though, along those lines earlier today, I was watching his comedians in cars getting coffee with Margaret Cho
1: Okay. I've never Uh, watched that one.
0: Yeah, it was my first time as well. And I did not realize that they had a history, uh, not like a romantic history, but that she, like the very first time she did stand-up was at a show that he was doing, and he came up to her and said like, hey, I don't know how long you've been doing this. You have an um, like your voice is amazing. Like you're going to do great. And that's kind of the thing that made her want to keep going. Oh, that's great. And so, but this apparently like, I don't know when they taped it. It it was a while ago, but, um, she had a a show that she did in New Jersey and she was talking about rape. She herself had been raped and she was making jokes about it and the audience did not respond well. And so he is talking with her about, about that. And I saw a, a, a shift in his attitude that I was not expecting, because his attitude and that of many stand-up comics, and honestly, probably mine as well, which is like their jokes and they're going to be, they're probably going to deal with some taboo subjects, and especially if it's if it's a subject that is specifically relevant to the the performer, then maybe cut him some slack. Um, that that's usually my opinion, and that's usually his as well. But he also recognized that things turn particularly ugly. Margaret Cho became very defiant Mm -hmm. in certain ways and just no good came of it and so that that episode literally ends with him and Margaret Cho like a few weeks later going back to that comedy club bringing back everybody that was in the audience (laughs) or like inviting them Uh or whatever and then before the and they're going to do a show but before they do the two of them sit down and go back and forth with each other and with the audience trying to help the audience understand like what it is to be a comedian, but also understanding that like, yeah, the audience maybe wasn't in the mood to hear about rape that evening. Yeah. Uh, and he at least like was willing to have that conversation. Whereas I think in the, in the past he hasn't. And I thought that, and so I think that's him slowly, but surely trying to embrace that. Good. I may be older and I may have a philosophy and that philosophy might be rooted in something I believe to be true but maybe not everybody has that philosophy. And yeah. so at the very least we can talk about it.
1: I would hope so. Given that he's the one who coined that, they had that quote, the audience tells you what's funny about you. Yeah. Uh, so for him to then say like, Oh, you can't make jokes anymore. seems like, uh, he's changing and he would be changing in the wrong direction. Yeah. I'll say my opinion, you know, you and I are big comedy nerds and comedy fans. I feel like up to a point, if you've, especially if you've paid to see a comedy show at a comedy club and the and the comedian is on stage making jokes. If you don't like it, you can leave. Yes. That is up to a point where that, where that changes is when it becomes like a, um, uh, the Michael Richards thing. Yeah. Or like the, that this wasn't on video, but the, 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 the thing about Patton Oswald calling an audience member, the C word, uh, this was way back. Um, I don't think I remember that. uh, This is at least five, years probably more okay I, I feel like it was discussed on a special thing.com which will show you like which hasn't been around in years so that's show i how think long officially it was.
0: it's still around uh, yeah i but just don't no think one's anybody on the board. Yes. you know what uh, it's irrelevant uh,
1: <laughs> yeah um when it becomes directed at an, at an audience member even if they're a heckler like heckling is bad but heckling yeah. does not mean that you can yeah. uh you know and that, who was the um Dana tosh had the um uh he got in trouble because um, yeah. He was telling rape jokes, yeah, so at this point I'm okay. Dentosh some stage he's allowed to tell rape jokes people sure. are allowed to leave. A woman stood up and started you know heckling him, and then he's and then he started making jokes about her getting raped Whew. at that yeah at that point he kind of crossed a line, yeah. I think, you know? Um, and, he is, and I think com- some some comedians will disagree with me that, that yeah. they need to control the room, but I, I don't think that's the way to do it. And
0: while I do think that that's in bad taste of Tosh to do that, I have heard that clip, and he is still saying it in a joking cadence. Right. Michael Richard is not. Right. Like, he's just full on, like, he's not trying to be funny anymore. Like, Tosh, while I don't think he did it well and I think he went a bad bad route with it, he was still trying to stay within the realm of being a comedian and being okay. so like again i don't think it worked and yeah. but i and i think it was overly aggressive but yeah, yeah
1: and it might also be harder for me to def- defend Dale tosh because i'm not a fan
0: i don't know if i i don't think i am either but i also recognize he has a very specific brand uh-huh. which is like a certain nice guy attitude while saying horrifying things and right. that definitely fits with what he was then doing um and so as opposed to just screaming the, with the N-word. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um and I do remember a uh, friend of the show, Jimmy Dore, uh, told a story on Never Not Funny where he uh a woman like was just like yelling and it, like he wasn't even saying anything particularly offensive. He was just telling jokes and she was drunk and she was like saying something, and at one point he called her a twat, which uh-huh. by the way, is a word I find silly. Uh-huh. It's offensive. But it's silly as well, and then somebody somebody else in the audience said, "Like I think, like I think that was unnecessary." And he goes, "He's like, all right, fine, you got me." <laughs> but then later on, uh, the woman starts talking again, and Jimmy looks over to the woman that said it. Was, he goes, "Do you want to handle this?" <laughs> <laughs> and the and the woman's like, "You're right, she's a twat." <laughs> and so, um, which really is funny. it's a funny story. But um, anyway, sorry, we've. As we thought would happen, this topic uh, lends itself to going uh, this way and that. Because it is very much... I think it is about adaptability, but the question then becomes, if somebody does not adapt in the way we think they should...
1: Uh, Then that gets to uh, what you're talking about before uh, before it becomes partisan. It becomes, well, you're irrelevant to me. Right. And I think... And so
0: I guess the question is... Because, yeah, I don't think a movie is ever irrelevant, but... You know, when you look at a movie like uh, there are movies that are trying very hard to be relevant to their time, and that's not a crime at all.
1: No, uh, but
0: when you watch "Guess well, Who's Coming to Dinner,"
1: yeah, there, yeah, I mean, there are some people I know who hate that sort of thing. Uh, I'm not opposed to it.
0: I'm not opposed. To it. I think it's a perfectly, you know, if if art is about expression, it's about you trying to reflect or impact the world, whatever it is you want it to be. Then, sure it can be
1: yes i'm okay with a movie trying to say something and yes. being straightforward about trying to say something yeah. it as long as it's not also bad but yes <laughs> i'm okay with yeah, yeah. guess who's coming to dinner is not uh it's a sluggish movie it's not very good
0: i know and give, like given the cast of that movie yeah. like it really should be more exciting but i do wonder if the the subject matter at the time Which was still not necessarily... It wasn't like it was groundbreaking in that regard, but for mainstream audiences, it was. And I wonder if the relevance, the political and social relevance of it made it seem like it was crackling, you know? Uh Uh, Whereas I think because because it was so relevant to its time and it's dealing with something that is accepted and commonplace now, if it is like an argument could be made that that movie, because it was being so relevant of the time, so much so that I think maybe it compromised artistically. Yeah. That's I think, a good point. I think that is what makes, what can make a movie irrelevant.
1: Because that reminds me of stuff that has survived that we don't even like, I mean, certainly like a lot of twilight zone and star Trek stuff is, sure you know, has a lot of com- commentary, but think about like Alice in Wonderland is like a nonstop political allegory. <laughs> yeah. We don't like, in, in modern terms, we don't know what each specific thing represents anymore, but it's just a good story. It's a, it's a good and crazy ass story. Yeah. And be and because it's he, because
0: Lewis Carroll was so committed to having it be as crazy as possible, it can become relevant in various other ways. Yeah. You know, I, it, I used to have it, an
1: annotated it, version of the, of the book that oh, really? like it had like footnotes, like here's what was going on in Carroll's world at that time with, yeah. here's what these poli- you know, what politicians the Mad Hatter represents or whatever. Yeah. I mean, uh, can you, Sorry, I I can't believe how hacky I'm about to sound. Can't
0: can't you just imagine Donald Trump saying off with their heads, <laughs> <laughs> like you yeah. know? Um, but uh, but yeah. So, so, so I I do think that. But, okay, go ahead. Okay, so I think we're I think we're headed in, in an interesting direction, which is if a film or a work of art is trying to be is 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 trying to be as good as it possibly can be as a function of its art you know this is something that i deal with a lot when it comes to christian film is they have something they want to say and then how and then there's how they want to say it and how is not nearly as important as what and so if the what Mm -hmm. isn't that exciting or if it's not that important anymore then there's really nothing left to recommend um and so an argument could be made that that, okay. that like easy rider maybe is not very relevant yeah. anymore. I
1: was going to go with reefer madness. That's a good one. <laughs> yes. Cause that movie had a very specific, I mean, I've never watched it, but my understanding it had a very specific aim yeah. and it's something that no one uh, other than Jeff Sessions apparently actually cares about <laughs> anymore. Um, um,
0: Oh, he has weekly screenings. <laughs> um, uh, uh, pot screenings. I mean yeah. for his, uh, for his employees. Uh, <laughs> But it <laughs> probably does. Um, and you know what? It was shitty of me even to bring up Easy Rider because I do think that there were no compromises made there, uh-huh. artistically. I think Dennis Hopper made the movie he wanted to make. I think it's just the general style maybe has become less relevant and certainly the attitude uh, yeah. has become less relevant.
1: Yeah, I find that movie kind of uh, tedious now. It um, is, when Jack Nicholson's not on screen. Uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, they... Uh, before... Uh, I, I was telling on the movie journal that I saw 2001 of the arrow last night and they just show they're they're going to be, they're doing a bunch of me with stuff. They're going to be showing one flew over the cuckoo's nest. You mm-hmm. haven't seen forever. And just showing the trailer for it. I was like, man, that Jack Nicholson, he was electric uh, at that time.
0: Yeah. I, I recently, uh, not, I mean, I guess in the last year I rewatched, uh, cuckoo's nest and in like I think I I loved it in high school, saw it again in college, and was like, Yeah, it's fine. Uh-huh. And then watched it again now, I was like, nah, it's pretty good. Yeah. And he is great. Yeah. Like his 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 he just had an on-screen presence that was unique very much to him. Like yeah. whether he you couldn't say like, oh he was like you know, he was like De Niro and Pacino and all these other guys from the seventies. Like I mean, he was insofar as he came up at that time to me he's like he he's like cary grant there's just there's just nobody like there was nobody like him on screen
1: um the thing to me about uh I, i feel like um uh sorry um i'm trying to find the the cast list here Okay. Because one floor of the cuckoo's nest, you know, you have, like you have like friends of Ford Coppola as the outsiders and it's like, wow, everyone went on to something. Yeah. one floor of the cuckoo's nest is like the weirdo version yeah. of that. Right. Cause <laughs> <laughs> you've got yeah. like, um, uh, Danny DeVito and Christopher Lloyd and Brad Dorif mm-hmm. and scatman crothers. Yeah. Uh, and here's the one I was trying to look up cause I forget his name. Uh, Vincent, uh, Vincent Scavelli. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, it's uh, uh it, I remember it's so funny <laughs> that uh every like weird like charactery character actor yeah. is like like how was William Sanderson not in one <laughs> flew with the <laughs> cuckoo's nest?
0: Yeah, I remember somebody I once read a, a an article that said um if the country were filled with circus freaks, Tom Waits would be Bruce Springsteen <laughs> and it's and, and cuckoo's nest is like that. Like it's, it's the, the ensemble ca- It's the 12 angry men of like weird care, weird yeah. character actors.
1: Um, okay. Back to the topic. Yeah. Um, the last topic I want to get to, uh, it's less about irrelevance and more about relevance. Sure. Um, do you think, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, a lot of times movies that maybe aren't intending to be relevant are just because they're made at the time. Sure. But sometimes I don't know where like, Oh, am I not giving the filmmakers enough credit? Like mm-hmm. invasion of the body snatchers is not an accidental allegory. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, not at all. Um, but I think there are uh, horror movies often sort of reflect, uh, what we're afraid of in the time. Or you've got one thing I'm thinking of is like in the, uh, um, you know, post uh Kennedy assassination and one of the assassination RFK assassination in Vietnam and then Watergate you've got all of these political thrillers in which the government can't be trusted yes like Three Days of the Condor and um Parallax View and, and and stuff like that like um on the one like on an individual basis, you can say one by one, like these writers and directors probably were trying to say something about the national mood, but mm. the fact that all of them happened, you know, that we had this run of mm. these kind of movies sort of is some sort of does represent the subconscious of the, of the nation or of the culture. Oh, undoubtedly. The service. Yeah. Um, so I guess I'm wondering what, uh, what are we, what are we seeing now? Uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's, I I feel like I have an
0: answer oh okay well what is your answer
1: Uh, I mean there are over the past five almost ten years so many movies about the the apocalypse that's true we are looking at you know the end of the world as we know it uh, uh, the REM song uh, Mm -hmm. in terms of but how do you feel uh, 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 well you have to watch uh, my movie to find out (laughs) Uh, it's called The Road 2 I feel fine (laughs) Um, uh, so yeah we're looking at catastrophic yeah. change uh and there are so many movies yeah. it's uh, worth noting MTV that
0: zombie games. movies existed for a while but the zombie explosion happened like in the last 15 years yeah
1: yeah, yeah. um i mean that definitely seems to be very much on our mind the mm-hmm. idea of uh, of the of the apocalypse um, yeah. as a as a setting i mean i can't even like name all of them there's uh, yeah cuz there's ones where you even forget like I never even saw It's a Disaster, but uh, <laughs> that was that was an apocalypse comedy. There was that TV show that only lasted a season with uh, Rob Lowe. Do you remember that? Uh, that was an apocalypse yes. comedy show. There was the recently uh, Dear Departed uh, Last Man on Earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got Seeking a Friend at the end, for the End of the World. You've got The World's End. Well, even, uh, even something... Wait. Yeah, The World's End. I always yes. forget The World's End is the... Like a right movie. Right. And then This Is the End it's, is uh, similar. Right. But I'm, then there's a Pirates of the Caribbean movie called At uh, Worlds. Yes.
0: End, right. Yes. right? Um, I mean, even A Quiet Place is that a little okay. bit. I mean, it's essentially a zombie movie, except the zombies are these alien creatures. Right. Um, and the idea is that, like, the world has just been completely destroyed, uh, or humanity has been completely destroyed. So, yeah, the idea of. I don't know. It could be the idea of everything's going to hell. So the only thing we can cling to is the people that we love. And like, and when it comes right down to it, that's the only control. The only level of control we have is like the people that are literally within arms reach. And then you suddenly, and then a lot of the movies and TV shows are about how, yeah, you don't even really have that in the end, which is, you know, the, the sad truth of it.
1: Uh, and now of course we're getting into the, we're getting into a time now where movies are being made in the Trump era. You know what I mean? yes. that, that are starting to come out yeah i mean you had some stuff i mean uh uh i don't know like the the handmaid's tale obviously was in production before that and sure um couldn't have uh couldn't have been more relevant <laughs> by the time yeah. it, it came out uh not only in terms of uh having a uh fascist in the white house um but also uh with the the me too and time's up and, mm-hmm. and, and all the, uh, all the stuff coming to light. Um, at least coming to light for us men yeah. who have been clueless for so long yeah. about what it's like to be a woman. I get uh, it. Uh, speak you know, for,
0: speak for yourself. Okay, sure. I've been married a while. Jen, sell, Jen says like, yeah, it's not easy.
1: Uh-huh. But he said, that's the thing is that <laughs> like, and I feel like I told, I'm joking by the yeah. way. Okay. I think I told this story on the podcast before, but like I had an ex-girlfriend who like came home once and she was like upset because she had, gone through the car wash like not not a get out and they wash your car but the one at the gas station yeah. you drive through and when she got through this other side there was a guy standing there masturbating like waiting for her to come through and masturbating and like in retrospect she was upset and i being just the clueless guy was like oh that's fucked up <laughs> like I, <laughs> I didn't get it i did not get. yeah it.
0: Yeah. Oh, I mean, Jen certainly has stories about weddings because she's a wedding photographer and dealing with a lot of drunk men, drunk guys. Yeah. And I think Jen is rather attractive or if nothing else, very striking. She has a uh, really beautiful red hair and people constantly talking about it. Guys at drunk guys at weddings want to touch it and sometimes won't ask. Uh-huh. And so she's like, oh, come on, man. That's uh, super gross. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, it get will be it together, guys. It- Pay attention to what's going on in the world. I know. Is you it know? just you and me? Are we the only ones that get it, David? And well, uh, Yeah, now that Anthony Bourdain's
1: gone. <laughs> it was just oh. the three of us. Oh, wow.
0: All right. And then there were two. <laughs> we'll see. It's just a, to quote, Bill Dwyer, it's just a waiting game yeah, now. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, it will be very interesting. Let me ask you this. So, you know, I'm a big fan of The Post last year. I, I liked, liked it a lot. Too. I think I liked it more than most people, actually, uh, because, you know, I'm a sucker for all the speechifying about sure. the, the the press and all that. Yeah. Um, but, like, it was such a rallying cry in such specific response, even though it's not officially about Trump. I mean, everything about it. You watch it now, you know exactly what it's about. Yeah.
1: Um, and that's why th- Spielberg made it when he did. Like,
0: exa- yeah, he rushed it into production, yeah. and it feels that it feels yeah. like crackling with energy. Um, do you think that is a movie that will be seen as not like because it's it's told about the Nixon administration? There's a timelessness to it, but that that level of urgency and the almost Capra esque, you know. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, you know, uh, endorsements of the press. Uh, do you think that people in the future, when they look back at like Spielberg's career and they see that, yes, they'll probably know about the circumstances under which it was made, maybe, but yeah. do you think they'll be like, huh, what an odd choice?
1: Um, I mean, in a way, maybe if we go back to a place where freedom of the press is a sure. universally understood and, em- and embraced. Uh, american ideal then maybe he will seem like an outlier. I'm a little yeah. bit uh I'm skeptical.
0: Yeah, it's, it's so much of it is is hard to know right now. Um and you know, and that's the other thing is again, I guess when talking about relevance, of course you're going to get political, but and as we've talked about the the Hollywood could be seen as conservative or liberal. I would say in its Certainly, in its business sensibilities, I say it's fairly right leaning. Mm-hmm. But I think in the in the sensibilities of the filmmakers themselves, I think it's very left leaning. And so, relevance yeah. is like relevance of filmmakers and film critic, like as said by film critics and commentators, um, is always going to be seen. I think through that lens. You know, I don't know how many people. I don't think anybody called American Sniper irrelevant but they didn't, they, they seem to view it outside of what was happening right now. Like, uh, the, the reviews that I read seem to approach it purely as like a old fashioned, uh, and be like, it's like, well, he's not addressing any of the stuff
1: that, and honestly what I read it as
0: any of the stuff that I
1: want. Yeah. I think that's true. And I'm not a fan of the movie, but I, right. And I I don't love it myself. But I I do. I reject that way of thinking. Yeah. Um, yeah, Well, this is good. Uh, I, I do
0: think that there is such thing in mentioning, um, American Sniper and the idea of, of looking at something current, but with, I think that it is possible to look at something current with a completely irrelevant attitude.
1: Oh, sure. Yeah. The green berets. Uh, <laughs> have you ever seen? The, I've like, never seen it. I've yeah. It's, 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 it's astonishing. It's like the only pro Vietnam movie ever made.
0: <laughs> and it's, and it's made with the, the sensibilities of like the world war two platoon movies, which San is Zewa like, Jima. yeah, which is great. great I love movie. Sans, but yeah. like, this is like each guy in the platoon. Like, I don't remember if there's officially a text, but it's, there uh-huh. might as well be. And it's just done with that sensibility. And it's like, it's a, different kind of war and and maybe one of the re- I think that film could be viewed as irrelevant partially because I think it was done almost as a fun as as propaganda like it was very it, it even if it was the propaganda of like huh. John Wayne's own opinion of the military and of the inherent justness uh, of American wars. It could be that, but uh, like, it's not like it was commissioned by the government or anything like that. But I do think that I do think that when, okay, so I guess maybe something that I'm saying is that I don't think that art, even in what I'm about to say, I don't think it's ever a fit, like ever truly irrelevant, but I think certain attitudes can be. And if the attitude is what is coming forth more than artistic expression, I feel like that is when a movie is most likely to be seen as irrelevant.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, that's an illustri- I know you don't like this term when applied rhetorically, but, uh, um, that's an, uh, an example of a movie ending up on the wrong side of history. Sure. Right. So sure. that again, makes me wonder like, what are some movies that maybe are unpopular now, but that will seem irrelevant because, uh, they're, their point of view has has gone away.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's it's hard to know. I'm mean, Passengers, I, uh, <laughs> which I didn't see, Don't, and, and, and nobody remembers even now.
1: Well, except for
0: except for people that are. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: My my wife um, remembers it because it is the answer that she comes up with with no hesitation. <laughs> if you ask her, "What's the worst movie you've ever seen?"
0: <laughs> and it's and it's it, beca- knowing what I know about it. Again, having not seen it if the film were willing to engage with the moral questions of it, it could be amazing.
1: You'd be, you'd you'd be surprised how often I will not have thought about passenger for months. And that exact thing will be like, what just pop in my mind. Like, what were they thinking? Yeah. (laughs) Not uh, even like first raising it as an issue and then making the conscious decision to not address it and move forward. Yeah, man. What a, what a terrible movie.
0: Yeah. But yeah, if you raise it as an issue and then you actually deal with the ramifications of it, like it could be an amazing sign
1: like yeah, I mean be like one of the one it would a, not be a happier. Yes, yeah, so, I mean, yeah
0: well sci-fi is not always the right. warm and cuddly uh, genre that people think it is um yeah but yeah it'll be galaxy quest <laughs> boy if only <laughs> um but yeah so listeners you know i feel like in many ways i feel like we've only scratched the surface of this because it's such a big strange ever shifting topic uh so yeah, in, the, fun, in the comment we? i think so yeah uh so in the comments feel free to to weigh in with examples yeah. of movies that you think are irrelevant or movies that you think are or if uh, or are relevant or if you think it's impossible for a movie to be one or the other
1: all right well you can find us at battleship uh this week at the website you've got a uh, uh, two criterion predictions from alex watch out um uh polyester which was one of my personal favorite john waters movies mm-hmm. i think uh i know it's maybe Hipper to like the your female trouble and your pink flamingos and the mm-hmm. but Polyester was like sort of the first uh move toward relative mainstream. <laughs> it, yeah. It's still pretty <laughs> fucked up. But uh um I really yeah, Polyester's a really great movie. Um what else? Uh and then what's his other uh his other one is Cabaret, which is maybe my favorite movie musical of all time. Uh
0: yeah, it's up there for me. And I think I think he is I know that I know that he's not like trying to to be dead on or anything, but uh, yeah, I think he's nailed it with both of those. I think yeah, he's
1: not trying to to quote a uh, to paraphrase Sports Night. He's not trying to be cunning.
0: Yeah, um, I don't know if you were. <laughs> uh, I uh, believe we've talked about it. Yeah, I believe you quoted that in response in yeah. regards to this. Yeah, yeah, the, um,
1: on Sports Night because it took place at the end of the century. There's an episode where they're trying to like who's the athlete of the century? And like, someone will say someone obvious and someone will say, I think that's too obvious. Like I didn't realize the point here was to be cunning. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, That's kind of what's going on with, uh, yeah. Yeah. And it's one of
0: those that like every once in a while he'll do a prediction. And my first thought is like, wait, that's not in there now right how does that
1: that's an oversight Sometimes he'll pick stuff that was laser disc that's, that's true a, yes yeah. yes uh all right and then let's see uh musical notation uh part three west west's uh ongoing examination of the relationship between john williams and steven spielberg part three which it's a is a good episode uh, indiana jones heavy um nothing wrong with that nothing wrong with uh, that and then you got movie reviews of one from each of us incredibles 2 and superfly all right uh so that's a battleship pretension.com you can email us at david at battleship com or tyler at battleship com. you can follow me david on twitter at davy pretension you can follow tyler on twitter at tyler pretension anything going on at more than one lesson uh as of right
0: now at this very moment no okay but there is about to be a lot oh wow so just like week, week after week it's uh okay yeah
1: Well, yeah, stay tuned for that. Um, Definitely check out the website. Uh, And thank you for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye.